Hello, everybody. Welcome to No Filler with Joe Miller, where we talk about everything NBA basketball. Joining me today is a fellow broadcaster at KCOU 88.1 FM student radio. He's from the state of Colorado, and his name is very similar to mine. It's Joey Miller. Thanks for coming on. How are you doing, Joey? I'm doing well. I, you know, they said that uh, if we ever got on a broadcast together, the, uh, the tape might explode. I think we're not supposed to be in this close of proximity, even if it is over Zoom or online. Yeah, I was going on your uh, your Twitter your Twitter <laughs> account, and I saw your banner with the Miller with the eye. It's sort of like Pixar, how the eyes replaced with the lamp, but it's with a little radio microphone. And I was just thinking to myself, is there a way I could cop that image? Could I just uh, steal that from Joey's Twitter? <laughs> actually made that uh during class i was really bored and wasn't taking notes and i'm pretty good with photoshop so i just kind of threw that together and that's kind of my brand i actually have it on my business cards now so that's kind of my logo so to speak that's really neat i like that it's uh it's pretty unique so i haven't done a show recently talking about nba news i dropped the uh, interview i had with tyler watts previewing the mavericks i'll be dropping the interview i just did with brad rowland about the atlanta hawks probably in the next day or two but need to do a show recapping some nba news because a lot of stuff's happened we had the russell westbrook trade we had lebron james and anthony davis commit to their long-term deals with the lakers and the nba schedules come out so joey where do you want to start well, I think the big news right now is the Westbrook wall trade as kind of the blockbuster that not a lot of us knew how to feel about because, you know, the, I don't think that there's a clear winner in this trade off the bat. It seems like both sides kind of have a little bit of a wild card. You know, Westbrook didn't have an amazing season last year going to Washington. Wall hasn't played in two years, coming to a new city for the first time in his 10-year career so you know it's just going to be interesting to see if if Westbrook can pick up from where he was a couple years ago as an MVP yeah I think it's interesting I got the news when I was on the phone with my friend Adam Rosen we were talking about a J2000 assignment <laughs> getting into the weeds with that and then we both got the notification from Adrian Wojnarowski that the swap would happen with Westbrook going to DC and John Wall headed to Houston. And of course that 2023 first round pick with all the protections. And I don't know, Adam was very freaked out about this. He was like, Oh my gosh, this changes everything. And in terms of the title picture, I don't know if this, I don't think Washington is anywhere near that with Russell Westbrook. I think they're in that lower tier playoff conversation, like seventh, eighth seed. Houston, I think, is going to struggle a little bit if they keep James Harden, and assuming they don't blow that up. I think just given how difficult the Western Conference is, I think they're going to have a lot of trouble. But we'll see. John Wall's injury history, though, especially the past two seasons, very concerning. So two years ago, he tore his ACL. And while he was at his home recovering, he missed the previous season, tearing his Achilles, which is not a good injury <laughs> for the NBA, putting that lightly. It's always terrible to see, you know, an injury-ridden career as of somebody of the talent of John Wall. But I feel like we know that John Wall, even with these injuries, is still one of the greatest point guards of our generation. That's just my opinion. We haven't really been able to see that. I think 
if he had a clean bill of health or if he does continue to be healthy for the next five seasons or so, you might see a ring in his future, put himself up for Hall of Fame. You know, he's going to start reaching these records. I have high hopes for John Wall, even though it's it's been a rocky road up until this point. I I must say this is going to be the first disagreement between Joe and Joey Miller on the <laughs> on the show. But to me, I think the John Wall contract is awful for this Rockets team because they're John Wall's going to opt into that third year making $47 million. I'd say that's pretty safe to say. So you have this guy for three years who's going to be making upwards of $120 million. He's, he's already 30 years old at this point. He hasn't played in two years. And I'm, I'm right there with you. I love that 2017 postseason tape of him fighting Isaiah Thomas in the second round, him getting on the scorer's table at the end of game six at D.C. and making the crowd go crazy. John Wall is and has been a transcendent talent at the point guard position in the NBA. But just given how much his game relies on that speed him being able to drive into the lane on dunk and dunk on seven foot tall centers, I'm very skeptical following these two injuries that he'll be at that level. And to me, I think this trade just screams some sort of desperation from both sides. Like Russell Westbrook was unhappy with the situation John Wall obviously was not super enthused about the Washington situation. So I don't know. I'm just not super high on John Wall. And and there's a good reason to be a bit skeptical with him coming to the Rockets. The Rockets have really always been one piece away from being a dynasty. Harden has been a rock. I don't know how long he's going to last in Houston, but as of right now, it looks like he's going to start the season with the Rockets, but they've tried different combinations. You know, you remember um, it's just been struggle. It's been a struggle since Yao Ming left. You got Jeremy Lin and James Harden. You remember that combo Uh, Carmelo Anthony, who I see as a very similar concept to the Russell Westbrook thing where they won an MVP a couple years ago. I don't think uh, Melo won a, MVP prior to Mello got second a few times though he was definitely in that conversation well he was still an elite player and then just a couple years later he's topping from team to team not looking like any ounce of his former self it's you know it's just a testament of is Westbrook gonna get back to his prime and if he doesn't what's the plan gonna be for the Wizards because you know you got Beal on his way out he's looking to shop some teams and then who else do you have? You have maybe Hachimura. He's also a wild card going into his sophomore season. Uh, I think forget about Mo Wagner. Uh. <laughs> I just think that you need a game plan if he's not the star that the Wizards uh, are, were really looking for. And I think it's going to be a change of scenery. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how John Wall plays with, you know, his former teammate, Boogie Cousins. That's, that's going to be another variable there. to me they just need to get over the edge because they've been getting so close and if John Wall's the guy to shock the world then John Wall's the guy otherwise it's back to the rebuilding block you know just trying to find somebody for Harden or just start from scratch yeah we can we can circle back to that Washington situation with Westbrook because that's a interesting point but as far as the Houston Rockets I'm a little I don't think they're going to trend towards the top half in the West this season. You're from Colorado, so I know you're going to be high on the Nuggets. 
obviously both of those LA teams are going to be in the top two or three. Then I think a team like Dallas will take the leap with Luka Doncic having a MVP type season. And then you have other teams like Utah and Portland, who I think have improved their rotations and are much more solid coming into this year. This Houston team, they're incorporating a lot of different pieces, obviously acquiring a guy like Christian Wood, like DeMarcus Cousins, and getting a guy like John Wall. I just think this Houston team in the 72-game schedule is going to have a lot to work out. With you, When you have a guy like James Harden, you're going to be in a good offense just because of his isolation ability and his ability to hit threes wherever he wants to hit them, his ability to drive in. And just if you play 40, 50 high pick and rolls a game <laughs> with James Harden, you're going to be a top 15 offense in the NBA. But I don't see them being a top four or five team as this roster is currently constructed. I might also have to disagree with you there. I think that the biggest variable is going to be if the team can stay healthy. That's going to be the variable for every team, obviously. But, you know, it's it's something that you got to take into account and have some of that depth. That's why well, that's where I see the Lakers starting to build up some of that depth. I see Portland starting to build some of that depth. Houston, they got three big players and some okay players around them, but I don't see a lot of that star depth where you'd be comfortable putting in the benched five as a starting five. So. Yeah, I think I was reading the John Hollinger piece talking about the Rockets trade, and he was just talking from the standpoint of the Rockets trying to avoid the tax line. So it's very unlikely that Houston is going to get any more major pieces to this rotation. And they're already having guys like, Gerald Green or Daniel Daniel House in the rotation who they're solid NBA guys but they're not really going to elevate your team that much they're more just playing within the system and playing the three and D wing type position so I could see Houston adding some of those like 10-day contracts and trying to build some non-guaranteed deals and fill out the roster but I think unless they blow the team up, which I think is the big question, this is going to be the main core of this roster moving into the season. Sure. And you kind of just have to see what happens from the start of the season and fix where you see accordingly. If all goes according to plan, then great. But we don't know until we put this plan into, I say we as if I'm a Rockets fan, I'm not. Um, But, you know, putting that plan into action, seeing how those things take course. um, It's just a waiting game. They got a good lineup right now if they can stay healthy. Rockets fan at heart, Joey Miller. You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) But I think think we'll see. I saw some funny tweets that were talking about if this team was formed in 2015 with John Wall, with DeMarcus Cousins, and with James Harden, people would be talking about this as a title team. And I kind of agree with this sentiment. Like, if all of these guys are healthy and in their prime, definitely a title team. But to, to me, I just don't really see that. It, that. I think that's the main thrust of this disagreement. I don't waste my time with hypotheticals because you can always say, if this person was on this team at this time with this person, yeah, sure, but that's not what happened. Right. They got to work with what they got right now. This is a new season. This is an interesting season. You know, not a lot of teams are going to go or start the season with fans, that's always a factor that you have to take into account. And, you know, with that 72, 70, isn't it 72? Yeah, it's 72. 
72 game uh, schedule, rather, it, it, you know, it's packed because you usually have a couple more months to spread these games out. People are going to get fatigued. People are going to get more susceptible to injury, and that's going to be a scary case for the Rockets. But you got to have that depth if you want to give some of your star players a break, and I don't see that depth. Yeah, I think we'll see within the first two or three weeks of the season what this Rockets team is going to be like because we're going to see DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall play because DeMarcus Cousins, we haven't talked about him much, but he's also a guy who has torn his Achilles, has torn his ACL, and two or three years ago, he was the consensus best center in basketball with his ability to operate in the post and shoot threes and rebound. But at this stage in his career, he's probably not <laughs> at that level, I'd say it's safe to say. But we'll see within the first few weeks. I think we'll get a good taste to see how John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins are. We, there, there's probably going to be fit problems no matter what, just because these guys are playing with each other for the first time. So we'll see how this Houston team works. I think this was a situation where they had to pull the trigger with Russell Westbrook. Like Westbrook was unhappy in the situation and they had to do the swap and they did manage to get a protected pick out of this. It's likely that, I don't know. I need to look at the protections really quickly. Yeah. While you, you make a good point there with, uh, Westbrook just kind of being unhappy. I think the case for Westbrook is he wants to be the star of the team. Uh, he was performing at his best when KD left in Oklahoma City and he really got to shine. I think he's going to get that chance with the Wizards, but it's going to be different still in a sense. And if he can get back to his prime and take charge again, great. But a few years have passed and there are a lot of skeptics so it's, it's just a matter of whether he's ready to take that role again as, as the leader and how much he wants to share with Beal and Hachimura going into his new. Yeah, we can resume that Westbrook conversation, but just in regards to that pick, in 2023, it is lottery protected. So if the pick is in the lottery, it will retain in Washington. Then in 2024, if it's top 12, it will stay with the Wizards. In 2025, if it's top 10, it will stay with them. And then 2026, if it's top eight, it will stay with the Wizards. And then after that, it becomes two second round picks. So the Houston Rockets, if the Wizards are still good, if Russell Westbrook's still there, if Bradley Beal's still there in two or three years, Houston will probably see that pick. But if Washington blows up, if Bradley Beal leaves, if Russell Westbrook leaves in three years, it's pretty unlikely Houston will get this pick. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, in Houston's case, to get that lottery pick is so crucial because you look at the two stars right now. Like you mentioned, John Wall's over 30. I'm pretty sure James Harden is just around the same draft. So he's probably over he's 31. 30. So yeah, right yeah. there. These guys aren't getting any younger. And by the time you hit 2023, they're going to be nearing the end of their career unless they're, you know, LeBron God style athletic. I don't see that in James or, John Wall, especially with the injuries that they've had in the past. But, uh, you know, getting some of that young talent is going to be crucial for them because uh, they got to prepare to rebuild once Harden leaves. Yeah, so just getting back to the Wizards and what this team will look like, I think they get an upgrade because to me with John Wall, as we were just discussing, there's just a lot of questions there. Like, 
what athleticism is he looking at? Is this still a guy who can average 20 and 10, like he did a few years ago in Washington? Or is he a guy whose shooting efficiency has plummeted and can't get in the lane as easily? So given that they get a guy in Russell Westbrook who has recently shown that he can still, although not as consistently get to that peak level, can play like that in bursts. For example, in February, once Houston went all in on that microball experiment, he averaged 33.4 points per game, seven rebounds a game, six assists, while shooting 54.9% from the field and 40% from three in the month of February. So Russell Westbrook has shown in recent stretches that he can be efficient in a system in stretches. Obviously, if you look at the totality of Russell Westbrook's career, he has a lot of inefficient stretches where he's either turning the ball over too much or his shooting percentages have plummeted, especially from three and from the free throw line over the past few years. But this is still a guy who can get you 26 points, seven rebounds, six assists, even if he's not putting up that flashy triple-double he was. The main concern I have is the bubble stats. So <laughs> these stats do not look good. He averaged 20 points per game, 6.8 rebounds, 5.7 assists. I believe he had 67, or not 67, I think 47 turnovers in that 12-game stretch. Very bad field goal percentage numbers, very bad three-point shooting percentage numbers. It's only a 12-game sample size. Obviously, he had COVID and he was coming off an injury. So there's a lot of variables with that sample size. But if Russell Westbrook is playing like that, it'll be hard for this Wizards team to really improve. He's got a lot to um, he's got a lot to prove immediately in his time in Washington. And I don't know that it's it's going to be easy for him to transition into that rotation there um but if he's able to kind of come out of the gate swinging if he's able to put up 20 25 points a game you know that's pretty modest coming out in the season um my biggest concern though is how he's going to compete in the playoff runs well the washington wizards have always struggled uh, in getting past the first or second round if they want to be a playoff contender, is Russell Westbrook the guy to get them there? Yeah, that's my other concern with this Wizards team because I think they've improved as a team that can hit like the seventh or the eighth seed because I'm expecting Russell Westbrook will play at all-star levels of like 25 points, seven rebounds, seven assists in that range. And I think in the Eastern Conference, that's good enough. Sorry, what? Is there going to be an all-star game this year? Um. I don't think there's going to be an all-star game. I think they might still do selections though. I don't know. They might do something weird because they're going to have a break. So we'll see if the NBA tries to fill up that time with some type of like, I know usually they do some like kind of cheesy all-star weekend <laughs> activities that they could hypothetically do remotely. So we'll see what the NBA decides to do with that. But kind of like weird, like a horse thing for ESPN back when they were in the bubble or in the off season? No, yeah, I remember that. That was, I think, between the shutdown and the bubble start in July. I think they had, like, a mini horse competition. I think Mike Conley won that. I might be wrong on that, but I think Mike Conley was the victor of that. I stopped watching after Chauncey Billups got knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> Are you 
this is a very side tangent here, but Chauncey Billups, do you like him from his Nuggets days when he was with Carmelo Anthony? He was my favorite player growing up, you know, uh, on the playground. Uh, all the kids were wearing mellow jerseys and all that stuff. I was the one Chauncey kid just because I I didn't like what Mello was doing with the team at the time. George Carl would be the first one to tell you that he was just a cancer to the team and we had to get rid of him. And, uh, you know, with that, we had to also get rid of Chauncey, Ronaldo Balkman, and a few other guys that were really crucial to the team caused a huge rebuilding era. That was just a terrible time to be a Nuggets fan. You know, we got Danilo Gallinari, uh, Wilson Chandler, and one other player, Timothy Mozgov. But those guys didn't really bring us to the promised land. And then once we started building up with some of our new scouts, uh, Gary Harris, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, things started falling into place. We got past that edge. We got past that line. I see something very similar in the Wizards in that sense, that this could be the beginning of something big for the Wizards for the next few years if Westbrook pans out. I think it's going to be interesting to see because guys like Rui Hachimura towards the end of the season was getting like 30 minutes per game. And if the Wizards are trying to compete for the playoffs, which I think that's what they're positioning for if they trade for a guy like Russell Westbrook, a lot of these younger players are going to be in that situation where the expectation is to win and not necessarily development. So it's going to be almost like a trial by fire for a lot of these guys like Mo Wagner, Rui Hachimura, and then uh, Denny Avdia, who was recently drafted with the team, is also going to be in that position. So we're going to see some – I think there's going to be lots of headlines from this Wizards team over the first few months of the season, <laughs> for sure. But – if another big trade before the season or if anything else big is going to happen if anything during this pandemic has taught me is to expect the unexpected and uh you never know i mean you got some wild card contenders some team that i'm looking for to perform well this year is the pistons they have that talent now i believe they drafted somebody pretty big i'm not getting it off Hayes. Of that one yeah um and they picked up a couple other guys I know this is like a, a fan favorite, but they Jeremy also Grant. Uh, well, don't talk about him. You know, I miss him. <laughs> yeah, ball. You know, yeah, I know the kid gets a lot of hate, but he's a solid shooter who just had a bad rap these past couple of years because of the whole UCLA scandal. And I'm excited to see him get an opportunity. I think he's one of the more talented ball brothers. Yeah, Detroit. That is an interesting situation to me. I think as long as they have pieces like Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin, if they're healthy and they're playing games, they're going to be to win around 20, 25, 30 games, I think, regardless, just because Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose are going to win you those games. Plus, you add in good rotation guys like Jeremy Grant, who <laughs> came from your team in Denver. <laughs> He really helped us make that huge run. Uh, he was really a reliable guy when some of our players were, were lacking. Um, I think uh, the Pistons got a really good player in Jeremy Grant. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I saw that the Nuggets offered him a similar deal, but he opted to go to the Pistons. Does that break your heart as someone who wants the Nuggets to keep going? No, it is what it is at this point. Uh we've made a lot of changes. Uh, Mason Plumley leaving us was another big thing. 
he was always kind of a reliable, tall guy. But if Bull Bull can fill in that spot, uh, and I got high hopes for Bull Bull, I, I think we'll we'll be fine. There's another guy who I'm looking forward to seeing that it's kind of gone under the radar. Uh, we scooped him up from Real Madrid. His name is, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right. I may be butchering this entirely. Facundo Campazzo. Real star player out there in Spain. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to see what he does. Uh, Jamichael Green, another big ad. Troy Daniels, kind of at the end of last season. Marcus Howard, a, a prolific scorer. And then, of course, RJ Hampton. It's a big name from the draft that was picked up. So it's going to be a different look for the Nuggets, but I think they'll they'll figure it out. I think the Nuggets will end up at the one or two seed in the West this year. That is my prediction right now. I I I I have to question slash push back on that. <laughs> well, so I mean, who else would be there? I mean Lakers obviously is, is going to get the one or two spot as of right now. I don't see why the Nuggets wouldn't get that two spot if the Lakers took the one. I don't necessarily hate forecasting them at the two seed just because I think they were pretty close to the Clippers last season. But with the Nuggets, I think there's still a lot of question marks, especially with the two ones that I have on the top of my head are Jamal Murray obviously played incredible in the bubble. Amazing basketball, had several 50-point games, several 40-point games. He outscored Kawhi and Paul George in a game seven (laughs) put together. So this guy showed that he could be that all-star guard for this team, but he's yet to show that in a regular season consistently. So I want to see if Jamal Murray can do that for a whole regular season. I also don't know what the starting lineup looks like. That's the other point. Yeah, I think there was a lot of concern that Jamal Murray, there was a lot of pressure on Jamal Murray, especially heading into the playoffs. I think the draft pick of RJ Hampton is really going to take some of that pressure off of being the go-to point guard who can get you a few buckets. Uh, So if RJ pans out, I think it'll be a nice one-two combo there with Murray and Hampton. In terms of the rotations and just some of the younger guys on that Nuggets team. So you've got guys like Monte Morris. You still have Gary Harris, Will Barton's on the team, Jamal. Murray is obviously a star. I wouldn't consider a guy. I think it's his uh, ninth season this year, but I get your point. <laughs> it's my Memphis bias coming out there. I got to root for Will Barton <laughs> coming out to perform. I thought he went from the, the Trailblazers straight to the Nuggets. No, uh, I meant the uh, he, he played for the University of Memphis, not uh, the Grizzlies. That is something I did not know. Yeah, he was a uh, I believe he was a, uh, I think he was uh, with uh, Josh Pastner, not uh, Calipari when uh, he was still here. I think he was a Josh Pastner guy, but yeah, Will Barton, love to see that guy succeed. But the Nuggets have a lot of guys at the guard position. And then I think the four is also kind of murky because you brought in a guy like Michael Green. Michael Porter was struggling, like whether he was in that starting position or coming off the bench, it was kind of an inconsistent role for him. So Paul Millsap, who just signed a, another year with the Nuggets. Right. He's really a rock in, in that forward position. If you can so stay healthy, that is. For, like, for me, when I look at a team like the Clippers, I see they essentially, they lose a guy like Montrez Harrell, 
<laughs> I feel bad advocating for the Clippers while talking about the Nuggets, especially after this past postseason. <laughs> Feels kind of like bad karma, but it's uh, Jokic addressed this recently that a lot of people are talking about how the Clippers are going to come back and take revenge over the Nuggets, or that the fact that the Clippers lost, and not talking about the fact that the Nuggets won. And he, he said something along the lines like, I don't care if people don't respect us, but we're going to keep playing. And I love that mentality that Jokic gives the team. He's such a team leader. Uh, as for the Clippers, I don't see them getting back from, from that offseason loss. I think that's going to hurt them heading into the season. I'm, I'm sure it's still fresh in their mind. I know Kawhi can shake some stuff off, but Paul George, what's going to happen to him? Because he just has not been able to perform in a playoff setting. So, no, yeah, that's definitely a valid concern with Paul George in the playoffs. My question in regards to the Clippers matching up against the Nuggets, though, is the Clippers add a experienced big who can play better defense in Serge Ibaka. A huge part of that series and Nikola Jokic being able to dominate was him just destroying Ivica Zubox and him destroying Montrez Harrell for defense. So, does something like that give you pause? Uh, I know that in the games past when Serge Ibaka was playing for Toronto, uh, Jokic struggled to cover him. But Jokic is a lot different of a player than he was a couple years ago, as we talked about a little bit before this. Uh, he's dropped some weight, and he's he's become a lot more mobile, getting down the court a lot faster. I think it's going to be harder for uh, Serge to keep up. Serge is getting up there in age as well. Jokic is still, you know, 25 years old. So he's still fresh and young and ready to go. I, I think that's going to be a tough matchup. I think they're going to lose a couple of those matchups. But ultimately, in a playoff setting, the Nuggets have the opportunity. They will take the Clippers again. You already hear, fo hear first, folks. Uh, the Nuggets are going to destroy <laughs> the Los Angeles Clippers in the playoffs this year. I'm going as bold as saying that the Nuggets will make it back to the Western Conference Finals this year. Okay. I don't hate that prediction. I mean, Nuggets are one of the top teams in the conference, so I could see that. Lakers, much better team. Like, they added Dennis Schroeder and only gave up Danny Green. They added, of course, Marcus Gasol for two seasons. They've wow. added Montrez Harrell from the Clippers. And they've locked up LeBron James for the next three seasons and Anthony Davis for the next five. So this team has made some moves to... <laughs> stay in that championship conversation you know, as a gm coming off a finals win it's important if not crucial to the morale of the team and its fan base to to make sure to lock up those big players to give those fans hope that oh we're getting we're going into the season with the same players and even better players who's to say we're not going to win back to back or create a dynasty it's okay to say that but a lot of teams coming off a finals win just can't get back to where they once were. A lot of luck went into the bubble uh, and the Lakers run there. It's going to be interesting if they can get that, get that momentum started again. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't think that just because they lock down these players for long-term contracts, everybody's getting comfortable. That doesn't mean that they should be comfortable and they will get back to the finals. Yeah, I think that's a definitely a good point. And I think we saw that with Toronto this past offseason. Obviously, they lost a guy like Kawhi Leonard, but 
they were able to secure guys like Fred Van Fleet and like Kawhi or not Kawhi Leonard, um, Pascal Siakam, they were able to lock up young long-term and even though they weren't in that same championship state of mind, I don't think they were still a good team and able to bounce back a little bit. Obviously losing Kawhi Leonard does hurt your team <laughs> a little bit, but I think with the Lakers, we're going to see a team that has that secondary playmaker where obviously losing a guy like Rajon Rondo hurts, especially in the postseason. but you add a guy like Dennis Schroeder, who was a, a runner up for six man of the year this past season and has shown he can be that second creator. So I think the Lakers, they also got a guy like Wesley Matthews to fill in the Danny Green spot. So I think they've improved the slots from last season, like their weaknesses of not having that secondary playmaker. And they've addressed some of their departures like JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard by bringing in a guy like Marc Gasol. They might have another signing, I would say, with maybe a center to fill out that rotation a little bit. But as of right now, I think, guard wise this team has drastically improved yeah you don't think Gasol is going to fill in that role though at center no I think Gasol will start for this team at center but I think they might want to get a second guy in there because Anthony Davis has made it clear before he doesn't want to play the five during the regular season except maybe like to close out games so yeah I think Marcus Hall will definitely get like 28 29 minutes a night playing center at this point but they might need just another guy to get some of those minutes. Yeah, I'm just now figuring this out. Apparently, Dwight Howard hasn't re-signed with the Lakers, so that's going to be a, a big loss. He was a pretty big factor. But, uh, you know, you still got somebody like Montrez Harrell and Marcus Gasol. You got that one-two start of the season. You got, you got your center covered, but you are right in that they should look into signing somebody else if they want to round this out. Uh, heading into what will be their next playoff run. Yeah, and I don't even think it needs to be like a big guy. Maybe they just pick up like Dwayne Dedman or something for a minimum deal and they just have him fill in like 12 minutes a night, the bench center or something like that. But I think it's more of just a, they need to fill out the rotation for the regular season type move. I think they're they're definitely fine in the guard department because they have Alex Crusoe, KCP, Dennis Schroeder, Wesley Matthews. They just have a treasure trove of guys who can play <laughs> that position. They'll be fine heading into this season. Uh, it's, it's just a matter of if LeBron's going to stay healthy and if LeBron wants to take the breaks that he's been saying that he wants to take. You know, He's, he's realizing that it's going to be a tough schedule up, up ahead, and I've heard that LeBron is going to take some time off, sit out a few games if need be. You know, that's great. He wants to preserve himself. He's definitely not getting any younger. This is his 18th season in the in the league. It's impressive that he's made it this long uh, and still performing at that high caliber level that we all know him to be. It's, But, you know, if he sits out during an important stretch or gets injured during an important stretch, that's going to hurt their, their seating heading into the playoffs no that that's a good point and LeBron James obviously this season it will be his 18th season he'll be 36 years old and he just re-signed the max extension which will take him to his 20th season and his 38th birthday so we'll see how long LeBron James keeps his prime going it seems like it's just going to 
not to mention, sorry to cut you off, but not to mention that his contract kind of ends where the eligibility for if there were a high school draft, if they were to switch that around, because I know they've been talking about that in these past few years, to where LeBron James Jr., Bronny James, could possibly play with his pops. That is something I think every NBA fan wants to see, whether or not they like LeBron James. I'm hoping that he makes it to that point. That's just a side tangent. but Yeah, and he said in interviews before that, he would be willing to do that even if he was kind of washed like he would play like up till that last game or something and then retire and it's definitely possible he could do something like that but it's hard to imagine him declining I mean obviously his physical prime is not what it used to be his first step has gotten a lot slower he led the league in assists last season though as point guard for the first time so I think he'll still be productive these next three years. We'll see when that decline eventually happens. You'd have to imagine this guy eventually gets a little bit worse, right? Like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. He's got a lot of money. I think I heard his workout regimen is a multi-million dollar workout regimen. I wish I had a couple million dollars for a personal trainer and, and a gym and all that stuff. I'd probably knows i might look like him um get some of that cryotherapy yeah but you know it's he is a talent of a generation multiple generations will no doubtedly go down in history as one of the greatest of all time i say one of the greatest because i'm still sticking to michael jordan being the greatest that's a different conversation but right now i don't think that he is declining we're gonna have to see how he starts this season but i think 36-year-old LeBron James is looking just as good as Miami Heat LeBron James, as crazy as that is to say. He's still looking good uh, in mid-range. He's getting shots to fall that I don't even know how he gets to fall. You know, you got Nikola Jokic covering him in the in the Western Conference Finals, and he's making these one-legged, falling-into-the-corner shots. You can't guard that, and that's just why he's so amazing. Yeah, and especially in that nugget series you saw I think it was game three when LeBron James was able to keep up with a guy like Jamal Murray in the fourth quarter guarding him at 36 years old and Jamal Murray's what like 21 22 uh, maybe a bit older I think he was definitely in 2015 so okay mid-20s at this point I don't know for sure but he's definitely in his mid-20s by now but yeah, LeBron should not be able to keep up with that kind of guy who's <laughs> like 10 years younger than him, drafted 12 years after him. Just, it's crazy what that guy is still able to do at year 17, finishing number two in MVP voting. I don't think he'll ever win another MVP just because of guys like Luca who are going to average crazy stats and guys like Giannis who are more in their prime, physically speaking. So LeBron's still going to be <laughs> top five, maybe even top one player in the NBA moving forward. But yeah, he's getting him signed to the Lakers for the next three years is a good step for them, being able to lock in that title window in being able to sign a guy like Anthony Davis, whose prime is just starting. We saw what he was able to do this last postseason, but getting him to commit for another five years, incredible stuff from Rob Polinka this offseason. Yeah. Anthony Davis is not young by any standards. He's been in the league for eight, now nine years. But like you said, he is looking to be starting to get into his prime finally. And I think that's a testament of some of the 
coaching staff in Los Angeles, Frank Vogel, Jason Kidd. Um, it's just something that the Pelicans weren't able to get him to. And I'm kind of glad that he's finding himself. Uh, he's working well with LeBron. That was always a big concern. Who's going to take the lead? I think they've done a really good one-two combo leading that team. I'd say that Lonzo ball trade was really the turning point for the Lakers at this point. No, definitely. Like with Anthony Davis, who I believe is going to turn 28 this season, he's still got three or four years left in his physical prime. The Lakers have locked him up for that. And this is a guy whose skill set is not mirrored by many players, if any, in the NBA, a guy who, six foot 11 can play the four or the five can hit threes can dominate from mid range is an insane lob threat. You can't leave that guy alone underneath the basket or else LeBron James will find him and throw up the lob pass. He's a defensive player of the year candidate. This guy's skill set is unbelievable. We don't talk about how crazy that guy's skill set is enough. Well, he's overshadowed by one of the greatest players of all time. And that's fair. <laughs> You know, uh, I, I wouldn't say he's aiming for to be at LeBron status by the time his career ends, but he's definitely going to be up there in terms of the all-time grades. Definitely. And I think the Lakers, barring some type of drastic James Harden trade or something of that magnitude, I'd say they're probably going to be my favorites headed into this season of who's going to win the title. I think they're in a good spot to repeat given the additions they made. And given the fact that LeBron James and Anthony Davis pose incredible challenges to most teams, like even if the Clippers, who most people said was sort of the team that matched up well against the Lakers, they didn't really have an answer to a guy like Anthony Davis. And then as we saw with the Nuggets, guys like Nikola Jokic were struggling to keep up with Anthony Davis when that assignment was raised. And then Anthony Davis was also an incredible defensive piece. You can't even like, isolate that guy on the wing on stretch, like on switches, that guy will destroy you. <laughs> you saw like in the finals, he would get switched onto Jimmy Butler and it would still be hard for Jimmy Butler to try to get by him, things like that. So I just don't see a team that has assembled the roster to really compete with them. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of the NBA schedule before we go? Uh, I haven't really gotten a chance to look too much into it, but what's, what's it looking like? So I'll highlight the Christmas day schedule, because for me, that's always the day where I start watching basketball, like eight hours a day. I start at 12 and then go towards the end of that 930 game. <laughs> it's always a tradition of mine. So it starts out Pelicans heat will be the first game, the Christmas day schedule. Then it will be Warriors Bucks following that. Then Nets Celtics. Then the primetime game at seven o'clock central time is going to be the Mavericks at the Lakers. I think that's going to be an interesting matchup. I do like that first matchup, though, with uh, the, the Pelicans and the Heat. The Heat have a lot to prove. They still got that young talent. Uh, Zion, he, he's got to show up. He's, he's got to stay consistent if he wants to live up to the hype that everybody's given him. Lonzo looking for a good season, too. Uh, I think that's going to be a, a great matchup and a great finish with that big uh, Luka – LeBron matchup so interesting schedule any others in the center there that you're looking forward to 
Um, yeah, the, I think the the last game you might be a little excited about. It's the last game at 9.30 Central Time. Clippers at Nuggets. A little bit of a revenge, for, a potential for a revenge for the Clippers, that is. Um, I think that's going to be as important for the Clippers to get revenge as it is for the Nuggets to continue to disprove what a lot of the media has been giving towards the Nuggets in terms of being that same old team that's a small market team that doesn't deserve to go to the playoffs. So, Yeah, and of course the Clippers are also in that similar position of just trying to disprove what people have been calling like a collapse from last season, which even on this program I've uh, ripped into that before. (laughs) But yeah, I think both teams there definitely have a lot to prove, like you're saying. I think net Celtic should be interesting too, because that'll be, we'll get to see Jason Tatum in prime time there. People were saying towards the end of last season, back in March, he'd taken the leap averaging around 28 points per game for that month before the season shut down. And then you have obviously the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Brooklyn Nets. We'll see what Kevin Durant looks like post Achilles. So I think that'll be an interesting Eastern conference matchup. That might be the one, two seed matchup or the two, three seed, depending on where Milwaukee finishes. So that'll be interesting. On the nets that I'm looking forward to is Spencer Dinwiddie. I've been following him since he was in college. Uh, You know, I'm from Boulder. So I saw him back in C Boulder. He was one of those underrated talents that kind of just worked his way up the G league. I think he's still going to be the heart of this team that everybody doesn't talk about because, you know, Kyrie and Katie are the big names, but I would not be surprised if the Nets made a solid run to at least the semifinals. That is my bold prediction. No, yeah, especially because this Nets team is going to have a lot of good playmakers on that team because you mentioned Spencer Dinwiddie, who is an amazing six-man backup point guard, can even start, I'd argue, in some situations. Karis LeVert is another great guy who can score. Same with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. Then they have some pretty great complementary pieces like Joe Harris, who can knock down shots on the wing. You've got a good center with DeAndre Jordan, who might be a little past his prime, but then you have a guy like Jared Allen, who's great defensively and can be that lob threat. So I think this Nets team is going to be pretty dangerous and get themselves a top four seed. It's going to be all about how they can hold their ground against bigger teams. If they can beat off... (laughs) better choice of words if they can kick off some of these larger teams uh mid-season go on a stretch really build that momentum I think like you said the Nets are looking to be one of the teams to beat this year I'm interested to see that offense because you've got guys like Steve Nash coaching obviously Mike D'Antoni is on that bench and we've seen that man has innovated NBA offenses unlike anyone in the past 20 years with him creating the seven seconds or less system in Phoenix with him experimenting with micro ball last year without a center with him basically changing how most teams do shot charts in the NBA back in Houston, 2017, where now you see a lot of teams shooting primarily threes and shots in the paint. And D'Antoni was one of those first coaches to really prioritize that. So I think that offense is going to surprise a lot of people. I think that's a must-watch team on league pass. Absolutely. And the Warriors-Bucks, I think, is interesting because 
if Giannis does not sign that extension, their preseason schedule, the Bucks are going to be playing Dallas, which is one team that could potentially sign Giannis in the offseason. And then on Christmas, we're going to see a situation where he's playing in Golden State, where Golden State would have some decent assets for some type of sign and trade if they wanted to pursue that route. So I think Warriors aren't going to be as good this year. I think they'll be fighting for six, seven seed just because of the Clay Thompson injury, but there's going to be a lot of talk during these first early games. If Giannis doesn't sign that extension, it's going to be like, Oh, Giannis is in golden state. We'll see um, if he's here longer or <laughs> he's visiting see, Dallas. Here's how I see that happening. If, if, Giannis were to not sign the extension and go to Golden State. Golden State's going to win the finals. Uh, sorry, Golden State's not going to win the finals. Uh, on the other hand, if he goes to Dallas, Mavericks are going to win the finals. I'm comfortable giving that bold prediction right now. If Giannis Antetokounmpo matches up with Luka Doncic, they stay healthy all year, they're going to win the NBA finals. I will put money on that. No, yeah, I think that's definitely a fair assessment because a guy like Luka Doncic is already, I'd say, a top five player in the NBA. And Giannis Antetokounmpo is a top two or three guy. And Luka Doncic is only 20 years old. I was talking with uh, Tyler Watts when I was interviewing him with the Dallas Mavericks. And he was saying if Luka wins the MVP this season, he'll be younger than Derrick Rose when he won the MVP and become the youngest MVP in NBA history. These are both guys who still entering their prime and if Luka Doncic were to be the youngest MVP the only thing the Bulls fans have been going off of is the fact that Derrick Rose is the youngest MVP that happened nine years ago so just a point that I wanted to bring up no that's fair uh (laughs) at Mizzou we run into a lot of those uh Chicago sports fans here there's a they're everywhere, folks. Um, <laughs> if you follow enough people on the uh, Mizzou uh, sports side of journalism on Twitter, half of your timeline is just going to be talking about Mitch Trubisky, talking about Jim Boylan and what Billy Donovan's going to be, Being apologizing for the Patrick Williams draft pick, talking about the good old days with Patrick Kane. It's just all Chicago sports now. I, I see it in my sleep, just the timeline scrolling up, seeing Chicago stuff. Crazy. They're passionate, though. <laughs> very much so. Very passionate, indeed. Yeah, I think we'll see. I mean, I think it's unfortunate the situation Derrick Rose is in because, obviously, being a guy from Memphis, I remember that championship and the disappointment there. But just seeing his season there and seeing his run with the Bulls, he was really an electric player, and I'd argue a generational player, before he had those series of unfortunate injuries. and. Now it seems unlikely he'll make the Hall of Fame. Obviously, he's still a contributor to NBA teams, so he could potentially maybe pick up like a six-man award, maybe go join a team for a title run. So Derrick Rose still has some time left, but it's just unfortunate that we didn't get those six or seven more all-star years out of that guy. Yeah, it's definitely one of those what-ifs. But I think he'll always go down in history as a player that was just consistent when he was healthy in day in, day out. You know, I compare him to some of the baseball players that will not be known by a lot of sports fans, but just were consistent assets. Like, I don't know if you remember Raul Abanez with the Yankees and the Phillies. Uh, It's kind of a throwback there. He never really did anything 
with any of those teams, but he was always just one of those guys who day in, day out, got the start, got his job done, nothing special, and had a solid career. That's going to be what it is for Derrick Rose. Yeah, I'm I, I love the guy. I root for him. I hope he does well rest of his career. He's still got time, like I said. We'll see how he does in Detroit this year. But yeah, we'll see. I was hoping he would be maybe the piece traded to the Lakers to be that backup point guard, but obviously Lakers got their guy with Dennis Schroeder. So they still got Kuzma. You're you're forgetting that they, they still got a guy in Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> they could potentially do that trade too. I mean I think Kuzma is a guy they could try to trade potentially just because this is the last year of his deal. They might not want to pay him the big bucks because if you're trying to build a championship roster around Anthony Davis and LeBron, you don't want to have 15 million a year going to a guy like Kyle Kuzma unless he really shows this year that he can be one of like the top six guys on the team. Cause last year he was really getting lost in those rotations. Like, down the stretch in the playoffs, you wouldn't see him out on the court just because his defense was not great and offensively he wasn't making up for it. Yeah, that's for sure. But yeah, Joey, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a blast. Uh, <laughs> we need to have this synchronous. What, what's that word I'm looking for? Uh, 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 what is it? Synergy. Synergy. Mother from another mother. Yeah, we'll we need to have. Well, we share. Our, our identity. I think this is a, one of many, but definitely a first for the combination of the, the JMs, the Joey Millers, the Joe Millers, and the Joseph Millers. Meeting of the minds, round one of the Joseph Millers completed. How tall are you? I'm a 5'11 and a half. Okay, that's tall. Uh, so I guess you could consider us both two white guys with brown hair, Large glasses, Paul, with the same name, at the same radio station, at the same university, on the same broadcast. And folks, that's where we're going to leave it today. Joey, thank you for coming on. If you want to follow him, you can follow him at the Joey Miller on Twitter. You can follow me to get more on the show at J0E underscore Miller. Thank you for tuning in to No Filler with Joe Miller.